My name is Laura. I'm an emergency room nurse, and welcome back to Let's Chat Healthcare. Today, I'm speaking with Zach. He is a patient who has had to deal with some pretty rough experiences in the healthcare system. We talk about what these experiences were like from his perspective and how the experiences impacted him. We also talk about why he didn't feel like anyone was listening to him and the impact that it had on him when someone actually did listen. I really appreciate Zach coming on the podcast and sharing his experience because as a patient, it's definitely something that can affect you really strongly and have an emotional attachment. So I really appreciate it. Thank you, Zach. On a side note, Zach also is the co-host of his own podcast. If you're interested, it's called Matt Makes Zach Watch Horror Movies. I'll have it in the description. Don't forget to press the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes are released, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Here's Zach to talk about his experience in the healthcare system. Hi, Zach. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. So first off, um, I wanted to thank you again for being on the podcast, but also give a quick shout out because you co-host your own podcast, right? I have a horror movie podcast called Matt Makes Zach Watch Horror Movies, where my friend Matt makes me watch horror movies and more of a comedy thing we watch a new movie every week and just try to make jokes about it and have a good time so if you're into that sort of thing check us out we're on everything so whether you love them or you're just interested in discussing them it's a great podcast okay i will have it in the description cool i'm really excited to have you on because um my podcast has a lot of healthcare workers and we don't always get to see the other side which is the patients, which are the patients. And I think it's really important to hear from the patients because otherwise I don't think you get a well-rounded view of what the healthcare system is like because as healthcare workers being in that situation every day, I think our perspectives can change from someone who doesn't always experience it every day, obviously. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Uh, When you asked me to come on, I was like, I'm I'm the podcast funny man, so I'm going to come in like Patch Adams. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I think I feel like you have a lot to say about the healthcare system, and I think it's really important to just get it out there so like people can hear like this is what this experience was like for you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I've had some wacky and wild experiences for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to get into those. Can you kind of give us a quick summary of your experience as a patient in the healthcare system? Um, yeah, so my parents are two people that probably shouldn't have had children because genetically I'm like just screwed on both sides. Uh, so I've been in and out of doctor's offices and hospitals like literally from the moment I was born. Uh, Mm -hmm. but I guess everybody was born in a hospital so but uh yeah like when I was born my kidney wasn't working so that was the whole thing of getting rid of that kidney and so you only have one now yeah yeah I've always only had one they took it out when I was like six months or something like that Mm. um but yeah then that causes a lot of health problems and I've developed other health problems like once I hit adulthood and stuff like that so I've just been through the gambit. Luckily, nothing (laughs) like super serious that's been like life altering though. But still, even I have patients that come in and say, oh, like my 
thing really isn't that serious, but even just having to go to the doctor more frequently than the normal person and having to deal with insurance and everything, it can like really take a toll on you and really impact you, even though like you don't feel like it's like a serious issue, you know, but also losing one of your kidneys is pretty serious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like, honestly, like 80% of the time, I feel like I'm taking my thing more serious and rather than the doctors that I'm going to, because mm. I would say it's been like a 75, 25 split of like bad to good experiences, mm. like encountering nurses and doctors and stuff like that. I've been like yelled at, I've been made fun of, I've been disrespected, like it's mm. been wild. <laughs> Would you mind if we just like talked about one of those experiences and we kind of just like talked through it? Yeah. Um so one experience that kind of sticks out because of growing up like having to go to doctors and hospitals and having medical issues, mm -hmm. I have a lot of medical trauma, so Whenever I go to the doctor or anything, like, I'm very nervous and always expecting the worst. Mm. Um, so that really spiked my anxiety, like, 2017, I think, um, was when I was having really bad anxiety problems. Uh, and there was just one day where I was, like, struggling to breathe, and I was just like, what's going on? I was at work. I was like, mm -hmm. there's an urgent care, like, right across the street. I'll just go there. Um, as I was driving, I had to pull over because I felt like I was getting lightheaded and I called 911 and just like talking to the operator, I was like, okay, I'm starting to regain in my breath. I'm at the urgent care. I'll just walk in. And she's like, okay, like if you feel like you need a call, just like call and we'll send you an ambulance. So I was like, cool. Mm -hmm. So I walk in, I sit down, I grab my number and then it just starts getting worse and worse and to the point where I'm literally on the floor, like my hands and feet are going numb and everything. Mm -hmm. And it it was, like, not a busy urgent care at the time. There was, like, two other people there. Like, no one was paying attention. Luckily, this um, older woman who was sitting across from me took notice and started yelling and, like, getting the attention of the uh, nurses there. And at first, they, like, were just like, huh, what? And, like, not actually, like, going to help me. Mm -hmm. Um she had to like actually get them to come help me and they brought out a wheelchair and put me in and while I'm sitting in the wheelchair not able to breathe they're yelling at me for not going to the emergency room and like why are you here why aren't you in the emergency room meanwhile I'm not like able to breathe um and then when I get in the doctor that came was actually like very understanding and very nice to me and was like you might be experiencing anxiety um here's uh medication i forget which medication it was he's like take that if you feel like you can't breathe uh it'll help calm you down um for emergency cases i'm gonna send you to like a doctor to get checked out for like asthma and stuff like that and figure that out but it was just like the experience of not being able to breathe on the floor and being yelled at for being there is yeah. wild. And not even not being acknowledged while it was happening and having to have someone else like advocate for you while you were like there. Yeah. You just went to the closest medical facility. Like mm -hmm. just that, like you 
you barely even made it across the street. And I don't know that that must have been very frustrating. Yeah, definitely. And like that 25% that I talked about of like good experiences were doctors and nurses that actually recognize like, oh, hey, this person is a person actually worried about what they're experiencing. Let me educate them and like not maybe um what's the word I'm looking for like maybe reassure them but also educate them so they know what's happening because for me the second I know and understand what's happening I'm I'm good I'm fine because then I know what to do about it and like two that was like three or four years ago now and I still like struggle to find out like all right am I dealing with anxiety again or is Mm. like their asthma issues or what's going on because I've had so many experiences of doctors not believing me not taking me seriously like I had to change so many primary care physicians until I found one that actually was like oh yeah sure let me like explain to you what this means and stuff like that Mm. I think education is such a big part that gets looked over but also when you are having an anxiety attack you also don't know that it's anxiety because you truly do feel short of breath you feel like you can't catch your breath so you don't know if it's an emergency or not and obviously that's why you went to a medical facility yeah and I mean like I understand that as someone who's been dealing with like trying to decipher if I'm experiencing medical issues or anxiety issues one example of a clear-cut case of just a doctor like not believing me I've had like um, two moles removed because uh, they're like potentially skin cancer since it runs my family um, and the doctor stitched it up and everything and told me to come back like a week later and my dad who's had skin cancer his whole life had many many moles removed he was like that is definitely not enough time you need like two weeks or enough my doctor forced me to come in like a week later he didn't look at it he had some nurse come in and just remove it and it opened up so I had to go back in and then he blamed me saying I moved around too much that's why it opened up when I literally was Hmm. only laying in bed for an entire week like you were moving around too much during the healing yeah that's what he told me I was doing despite not moving at all (laughs) You, you know what's really frustrating about the situation I feel like is so one of the biggest problems I feel like in our healthcare system is the lack of preventative care and the Mm -hmm. lack of understanding the difference between who to go see with what problems yeah you're doing all that you went to the urgent care you are doing preventative treatment to prevent things like that like when people come in that haven't done those things we're like oh my gosh you should have done these things and you're doing these things and you're still running into these problems. And that's just like really frustrating because preventative care is the goal. And like these things that you're doing are the right things. So that's frustrating. And I can't imagine even the insurance that you've had to go through with all these things, because even with preventative care, insurance can be really difficult. Oh yeah, definitely. And my theory is because I'm in my early to mid twenties, they don't take me seriously a lot of the time just because I'm young. They're like, ah, oh, you're young. You won't have any health problems despite mm-hmm. being like, I have a history of that. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, insurance, I'm constantly worried about 
maintaining a full-time job that gives me insurance because I got married when I was 21 I got married young so like if I don't have health insurance my wife doesn't have health insurance so Mm -hmm. there's like double stress there well I'm sorry that you had to experience those things um I'm wondering if we could talk through one of the situations either one of the ones we talked about or a different one and kind of talk about how a way that you feel like you could have been understood more uh yeah um I think if I wasn't dismissed so quickly or without actually listening to anything I'm saying, Mm. because all of the good experiences I've had are doctors taking a second and like really hearing what I'm saying. And even if it's a situation where I, it's just anxiety and I'm freaking out too much, they take the time, like with my Mm -hmm. kidney, uh, whenever I feel anything there, I'm super worried because it's, my only kidney and you only have one yeah yeah um and i've gone to my doctor about that and instead of just being like oh you're fine like don't Mm -hmm. worry about it it's whatever he was like oh you know like we'll do some tests and your tests are fine they came back fine um here's what it is like your one kidney can get bigger and it can kind of push up against and cause discomfort uh which how would I ever know that unless if a doctor explained it to me? That's not something <laughs> yeah. you can just Google. <laughs> uh, so ever since then, I'm like, cool. I, I understand that. That's in my brain. Now, like, I won't have to waste my time and your time coming in a lot because I'm always constantly worried. I know what's happening now. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because as healthcare workers, we think a lot about statistics and we're like, oh, that's like, one in a hundred thousand or one in two hundred thousand chance but having your kidney removed when you're that young is one of those one in whatever chances and I think already having experienced one of those one one in whatever chances like you're like this could happen to me because it already has you know I feel like when a healthcare set a healthcare worker says oh the chance of you getting that is really low they're trying to say it for comfort But I feel like it doesn't necessarily comfort the patient, especially someone who's already experienced one of those like rare cases. Yeah. And I mean, statistics are no statistics that one in 100,000 is still one person. Exactly. It's still a person, a human being. And experiencing that one in 100,000 chance is like life altering and life shattering sometimes. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like that's supposed to be said as a comfort thing, but it's... I feel like it's not very comforting because I'm thinking if I was in that situation and someone told me, oh, the chance of like if I went to the ER with abdominal pain and someone's like, oh, the chance of you having something serious is very low. And I'm like, well, there's still a chance. So can you check it out? (laughs) And not only like a low chance of something serious going on, but like I'm still having pain. And like, can you do something about that? Or like at least like tell me like, oh, it should go away in a week. Cool. I'll. It, I'll I'll probably just not think about it for the next week and then be fine if you just took the time to be like yeah actually helping what I'm experiencing like give them I feel like something that's important to do in these like urgent care or emergency rooms is give them a next step that's what I try to do with mm-hmm. my patients when I discharge them because when we discharge them I feel like patients think that we're saying that nothing's wrong mm-hmm For me, what I try to communicate to my patients is that we're not saying that nothing's wrong. We're just saying that we don't think that you're going to die or have something serious happen in the next two weeks and you can go see a specialist. So 
But I feel like that sounds really dramatic, but that's honestly like what we're saying. And we're saying that you can wait a couple of days to go to a specialist. But I feel like that doesn't get communicated. I feel like when you discharge someone from an emergency room or even the hospital in general, I feel like people think that we're saying that nothing's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, it's like, like the way you just communicated and told your intention is like wonderfully communicated. And I think if someone was here like, oh, wait, five days, they're not going to hear, oh, we don't think like you're going to die, like get it checked out in five days. They hear I'm experiencing this thing that I'm so worried about. And now I have to sit with that for five days. Exactly. That's such a good point. Exactly. Yeah. Because like I've had like other cancer scares where my doctor did not communicate with me literally anything she was just like oh you're uh something about prostate or whatever i want to schedule something for you bye and then i was just like uh okay what did you say? yeah and then i i was just like thinking i had cancer for the next like five days and then i went in and it was not the uh not the test i was expecting and everything was fine but it was just like nothing was communicated to me. Yeah, and I feel like even if things are communicated, you're not going to remember them. It's interesting that we're talking about this um, because I literally discharge like 20 people a day at work. (laughs) Probably even more, but like I feel like when I talk to people, like I can tell, I feel like sometimes I'm like, oh, I did a really good discharge. Like I spent a lot of time explaining this to the patient and then they like hand me back the paper for the prescription and I'm like, you just did not hear anything <laughs> I just said. <laughs> well, I'll tell it because it's a funny story, but because like I've experienced that where a doctor tells me a bunch of things and I'm like, I zoned out or just didn't yeah. understand everything. So I'll read the paperwork you gave me when I get home and like figure it out. And honestly, most of the paperwork is like preset things that aren't specific to you. Yeah. Um, but the example that I gave... My doctor literally didn't even give me any like jargon or anything. It was just like, oh, you know, like prostate or whatever, like go get this done. So I assumed I was going in for something for that. But somehow I ended up getting a uh, testicular ultrasound. And I was not aware of that until it started happening. (laughs) (laughs) And no one told you what was happening. No. So it's like. I'm not sure what's going on. Is everything okay? And like, oh my gosh. Especially like a test or like something like that where it's just like, it was awkward for both me and the nurse because I was like, I'm sorry, what did you say you're just about to, you're going to do? Cause <laughs> and also, why am I getting this done? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's, I, I definitely have been in situations where there is medical jargon, but it's kind of scary that there are situations like that where nothing is communicated to you so you don't know what's happening and also like you don't know if he said something else or told you to do something else I think it's important to I always recommend to families and like to write down like and I mean you couldn't do that in your situation because he literally Mm -hmm. didn't say anything but I always recommend to just like write down like two things to remember from the discharge it's like yeah and I'll like text my wife like right after like he told me this this and this so that's because i'll forget to write down or take notes or saying but if i'm telling my wife i have it there to look back on too mm-hmm, exactly and also i feel bad for people that 
like don't have a family member or a close friend in the healthcare system because I have so many people that like text me or ask me all the time about like, hey, my doctor said this, like, what does this mean? Or like, hey, my doctor said this, what does this mean? I remember uh, my husband's grandpa, he was in the hospital and um, his his wife would just like write down everything the doctor said, even if she didn't understand it. <laughs> she would just like write down every word he said and then she would have the paper and just like bring it to someone and be like, what does this mean? But she would just like write down because so many things get lost in translation and I just don't know like what the solution is. Like there just needs to be like a really simple written down thing because you're you're not going to remember I mean, you've just spent 15 hours in the emergency room and then they're telling you all this stuff like you're not going to (laughs) remember. And this goes back to the thing that we were talking about, about education, about the education isn't out there, but we expect them to be educated. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like when I try to educate myself from Google, oh, my pinky toes hurting. You have cancer that how are you supposed to educate yourself when that's what happens exactly and like the main place to educate yourself is the internet and then i mean when someone comes into the emergency room and was like oh i saw this on the internet we're like oh lol like yeah (laughs) so like where like what are you supposed to do like go to the library and read like a book from 2009 like where are you supposed to educate yourself the internet told me i'm dying so you know I just wanted to make sure I wasn't. (laughs) I had a really interesting patient one time. He was like, it was a guy, he was like 12 and he came in with his mom and um, he like had been super dehydrated and he was like at football practice for the past two weeks, like a football camp. And then um, it was obvious that he just had like a, like a syncopal episode, like he passed out (laughs) and his mom comes in and goes, my son my son thinks that he had a seizure my he looked up all the symptoms and he's like sure he had a seizure and I want to get him checked for a brain tumor and I was like guys he's okay he just passed out (laughs) but I mean sometimes internet education is good because I actually had like a I don't know if you know but if you have testicular pain you're supposed to go to the emergency room right away because you're supposed to rule out that um it's not like twisted and that it's not Mm. like gonna die and you have to go in like right away. And mm-hmm. I had this, this, he was like the same age as the other kid. He was like 14 or something. And his mom brought him in and she said like, my son's having this pain and he looked it up and it says that we have to come here right away. And so I don't know, sometimes the internet can do good things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that that's, that's why there's so, I've experienced so many of these things of like, doctors not believing you because they get so many cases like that of oh the internet said i'm dying so you know check me from head to toe and when it's like yeah you're just dehydrated so it's it's a frustrating like on both sides of the spectrum but i'm thinking about it the internet gives you the worst case scenario sometimes but like yeah if you're looking it up and you're like is this the worst case scenario it's like that thing we were talking about the rare case like what if i am the rare case like better be safe than sorry and get it checked out yeah so yeah that's that's what i try to do at least and also on a completely different side note speaking of dehydration i've had a uh what's it called when they uh uv (laughs) Uh, (laughs) ivy i had the flu once and 
apparently I was very dehydrated and they gave me an IV. That was the best experience I've ever had in my life. I just like felt great afterwards. Getting the fluids. Honestly, yeah. like a lot of times we say like all this, all they need is like a bag of fluids and they'll feel so much better. I, I was just like, can I just switch to this instead of drinking water because this is great i can do other things instead of drinking water (laughs) i honestly think like so many people are just like chronically dehydrated like me like all i've had this morning so far is coffee (laughs) oh yeah and water is like the wonder tool i swear like giving people a bag of fluids like you will see them like perk up so much Mm -hmm. so yes i i agree with you I actually have never had a bag of fluids, but I've seen the changes that it can make. <laughs> well, that's how we fix the healthcare system. Everyone gets an IV stat. That's the only thing they get. Everyone will be better. The world will be better off. Uh, I had a, I actually had an IV put in me the other day because I'm learning how to do IVs with the ultrasound. Mm-hmm. And they're very painful. <laughs> uh, see, I, I've been poked and prodded my whole life. So oh, okay. that stuff never bothers me. That make, I, that makes you a pretty good patient because we'll have people come in with like so many tattoos and they're like the most scared of needles. <laughs> that's see, that's so wild to me. I've had tattoos and I've been poked in pride in my whole life, and I'm just like, yeah, it's it feels weird, but not super painful. But I guess everyone's pain receptors are different. Yeah, and I think just thinking about it staying there is like kind of freaky. Yeah, I mean. I when I had that those moles removed I was awake during that surgery and they just like numbed it if you want to talk about a mentally scarring experience of being cut open while you're awake the, oh my gosh the mental gymnastics that you have to go through to not freak out is wild oh my gosh that sounds horrible yeah and it's just like for me like the numbing worked and I like felt sensations and stuff but no pain or anything and I didn't see it, but it was just like coming in terms with the fact that you are open right now and you shouldn't be is yeah. such a weird mental thing to get over. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing this because I feel like one of the reasons why healthcare is has not improved yet is because it's not talked about enough. And I think it's just really important to get these stories out there. And like, I mean, it's hard to be in a situation every day where you see patients every day and you just like your threshold increases. And I think it's important to just get back to and hear from a single patient and realize that they're having an emergency and they this is not an everyday thing for them. Yeah. And I think it's very important. And I'm an open book when it comes to anything because you never know what experience you've had that telling that story might help someone else who's also experiencing it. But also open communication is super important in everything. So mm-hmm. everything I've told about might be important for someone else going through it, but also might be important for nurses to be like, oh, wow. So like that's what it feels like and to experience that mm-hmm. and be reminded of that. And yeah, I think it's just, super important to talk about things and like these sort of like quote-unquote taboo uh topics are always the topics that are the most misunderstood and would be the most benefited from just openly talking about it you literally hit the reason for this podcast right on the Mm butt. i think that 
We learned some really important things from this chat about education and communication and just, yeah, thanks for talking to me. Yeah, and yeah, I think if you're tired of just the same anxious person coming in, explaining something to them does wonders because once they're like, it makes sense, cool. I, I understand now. I know what it is. I will not come in thinking I'm dying every two seconds now. Yeah, and just like taking that extra five minutes to have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I makes, think that's really important. Makes a world of difference for everybody. Thank you for listening. I think it's important to be aware of these situations and learn from these situations, whatever position that you're in. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media at Let's Chat Healthcare or visit our website for more information, including ways to support the podcast. New episodes are available the first and third Tuesdays of the month. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time on Let's Chat Healthcare.